This is Ezra eighty five. It's called C T S D. Oh, how I love this child! She recorded that intro, and she was like, "I made it fancy." I said D instead of the regular D. Well, I love me some D, so that worked for me. No comment. So yes, she said CTSD, which is like PTSD, but with a C in front. And that is known as complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And some parents and caregivers who are raising people with disabilities have been referring to this as chronic traumatic stress disorder because the trauma or the ongoing stress, it never really goes away. And well, Let me tell you, this has elicited some controversy because there are those who say by making the the trauma about us as the carer, it is an ableist stance and it takes away from the trauma and the stress of the person with the disability. I get it. I totally do. But I thought this bears discussion because I think it's an interesting topic and one that is relevant to a lot of the families who are living this disability caregiver life. So let's just jump right into it. Hey everyone, it's a very bright life. It sure is. Your life is so bright. I gotta wear shades. We are so happy that you're here with us. Let's do this thing. Okay, so to begin, apologies go to the person who messaged me to say that the last episode, episode 84 called, Oh Rats, It's Creepy Creeps. They said that they found it disturbing. <laughs> I was like, oh, what what part? Was it the rats or the creepy creep pervs? And she was like, both. So I promise I will not be speaking about rats again or mice on this episode, except for this one story. This cat of ours, Kevin, who is the logo of our podcast, He's reconnected with his inner hunting spirit, and it's it's not good. It's not good for someone like me who's seriously afraid of rats and mice. But anyhow, so the other day, and this is how we have to open our door now, when he escapes, and he does often, when he goes outside, he knocks on the door. He legit stands on his hind legs and bats at the door handle, and I always think that I have a UPS delivery, but no, it's usually Kevin. Anyway, I open the door, and I have to open it very slowly and kind of take a quick peek to make sure he's not bringing a gift. And I opened the door the other day and he was sitting there just as sweet as could be looking at me like, there's nothing to see here. And I'm like, good boy, Kevin. I looked down and I noticed there was an additional tail that was not his. So it turns out he was sitting on a mouse. (laughs) The mouse was fine. It ran away. But then of course, when it ran away, he was triggered by that and he started chasing the mouse. And I swear to God, I said to my friend, I felt like there should be that music that's like da 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 As I'm screaming for him to come in the house, he's chasing this poor mouse around and around underneath my husband's car, and it was a bit of a gong show. So I went and got his fat cat kibbles. That's really what they're called. I'm not shaming him. They're called fat cat because they're they're calorie restrictive. So, sorry about that, Kevin. I grabbed his kibble bin and started wildly shaking it because usually when he hears the sound of food, he comes a-running. He's my kind of cat. Well, the lid wasn't on properly, so I ended up with just 
just kibbles raining down everywhere. They covered the entranceway. They're all over my front patio stairs and everything. And of course, that's when Kevin decides he will come back because he's no dummy. He's like, buffet. So score one for the cat, zero for Lisa. But another point in that episode was about creepy creeps or specifically this this one creepy creep who basically was just exhibiting some kind of odd behavior as Avery and I were trying to go into this trail for a bike ride. And it just left me with a really uneasy feeling. So it elicited some discussions between Avery and I about safety and about strangers and just how to protect ourselves and make smart choices, blah, 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 all that uncomfortable stuff. So here's an update though. I have seen this man three times since that episode. And (laughs) the first time I saw him, he was, I don't know where he came from, but he was suddenly behind me as I was walking through the neighborhood. And I made a big production of moving over to the side so he could go past me so I could kind of like keep him in front of me in my sights. I took a picture of him in case I should happen to go missing and they would maybe find his image on my phone (laughs) because I tend to be a little bit dramatic like that, but whatever. Then the next time I saw him, I actually said hello to him. He was walking towards me. I said hello. He looked away from me. He There's no eye contact. He didn't say hello back. And I thought, that's weird. And then I saw him a third time as I was coming out of a trail, which yes, I've gone back into the trails because now I carry this alarm. I swear to God, it's like those ones from Reader's Digest back in the 80s or 90s. My father-in-law gave it to me so I wouldn't be mauled by an animal in the woods. Thank you. And it's alarming. Literally, this thing's alarming. It's like this silver egg-shaped pod thing, and you pull out this ripcord, and it emits the most blood-curdling, eardrum-bursting sound, high-pitched sound you have ever heard. And I know this because I accidentally tested it when I was pulling it out of my purse and the cord got attached to something, one of the 8 million things I keep in my purse, and it went off inside my purse and I couldn't get it and it was so loud and it was so embarrassing. Anyway, so I carry that with me now when I go for walks so that I can scare away animals and creepy men. Any of the who, I ran into this man the third time and he was going into the trail I was coming out and... I said hello again. He kind of sort of gave me like a little nod and and went in. And I thought, I wonder if he is on the spectrum or neurodivergent. And uh, that makes me a bit of an ableist asshole. So I, I don't know. I feel like perhaps there was something else going on and I made an assumption about him. However, I stand by what I said to Avery in that we always have choices and At the time, I made the choice that was the safest choice for her and I. So I stand by that, but I do feel bad. Um, Yeah, and then I talked about some pervs that we ran into that were legit pervs on the way home from Sick Kids Hospital. That is our children's hospital in our city. So that's where this story takes, takes its flight, is from Sick Kids. And I wanted to talk about trauma and PTSD, which I have been diagnosed formally with PTSD And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but back to sick kids. If you've listened to previous episodes or you've read stories on our blog or Instagram or something, you probably know that Avery's first few years of life was, it was dicey. Um, She was in and out of hospital, sick kids being one of them. 
Um, she lived at another hospital near, closer to our house for about a month. And when I say it was traumatizing, I believe it was textbook traumatizing because when your child is gravely ill and you wonder if she's going to come home with you from the hospital, that is, obviously that's traumatizing. And as a parent, it's something that you revisit from time to time. And every time I go to a hospital, one where Avery had been admitted, I feel the physical symptoms of trauma. I feel shaky. I feel I feel anxious. I feel sweaty. My mouth gets dry. I find it hard to focus, all of those things. And I think that's legitimate trauma. But after reading this post on on Instagram, there's a group that I follow called Open Future Learning, and I will put them in the show notes. I've tagged them before, even though they don't follow me back on social media, but it's fine, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) I really, I don't care. So they posted a photo of a young female with Down syndrome and the title or the heading, Parents of Disabled Children Have PTSD Equivalent to Veterans Returning from Combat, dot, dot, dot. But is it really PTSD? See description. And then they, and they continued in the comments and they wrote, Parents of Disabled Children Don't Have PTSD. They have CPSD. The C stands for chronic, nothing post about it. So that was really interesting to me because I was like, yeah, I feel like many caregivers, many parents raising people with disabilities, especially when there are medically complex factors, the stress is always there under the surface. And of course, there are periods where it's calm in calmer seasons and it comes and goes but I really feel like when I go into a hospital setting that trauma comes back and not just the trauma of nearly losing our child it's also the trauma caused by the years of gaslighting from doctors and specialists that told us that we were being ridiculous and that there was nothing wrong and they made us question our our own ability to parent and to know our child and to be told you're dramatic or you're wrong or you're a negligent parent for making these choices. That is traumatizing and I will stand by that. And so when I go into a new medical setting or I meet a new specialist or we're going to talk to meet a new doctor, for example, I feel that insecurity and it's it's trauma. I had to pause for a second. My phone rang while I was recording and I had my phone on deliberately because I was waiting for a call from sick kids, ironically. And when they call, you answer because it's so hard to get a hold of them. But they were calling to confirm a procedure. And how funny, I'm talking about how I feel stressed when... I go there. Well, I feel equally stressed when I'm just talking to them on the phone about anesthesia and so forth and so on. Anyway, it's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. But yeah, I guess the bottom line is when you experience any kind of trauma that has to do with somebody who you passionately love and care about and who is your life, 
that shit sticks. It lingers. And so whether it's complex PTSD or chronic PTSD or chronic traumatic stress, whatever you want to call it, it's legit. It's a real thing. However, if you were to go through the comments of that social media post, that's a whole other ball of wax. And it usually is. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The comments are where all the juicy stuff is. It's where all the learnings are. And uh, so I took some time and scrolled through and I felt, I felt many things at once. I felt vindicated. I felt validated. I felt assaulted. <laughs> I felt misunderstood and I felt completely seen all at the same time. It was quite a bundle of emotions because of course there is a discussion between disabled people, non-disabled people, parents of disabled kids, and everyone's coming to the conversation with a different agenda, with different experiences and biases and all of that stuff. And okay, I saved a couple. Well, there was this one guy and he was pissed because he was really offended by the comparison that parents raising disabled kids have the same amount of uh, trauma and PTSD as a soldier returning from war. And I totally, I totally get where he's coming from, though his delivery was slightly aggressive. However, I think that this post's rather clickbaity headline maybe set themselves up for this kind of clapback. But if this post's intention was to generate discussion, then score, that's what they did. And there was the usual neurotypical versus atypical discussion about ableism and how parents making trauma about themselves was ableist and our disabled kids are the source of our trauma. Like my kid gave me PTSD. And yeah, that does sound awful. And we're not saying that because we have a disabled child, they are the cause of our PTSD. I love my child and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade her for the world and I wouldn't change her if I could. But would I change some of the things that happened to her that caused me pain and fear and grief and all of that kind of trauma? Yes, yes, I would. And would I change the world for her because the world isn't the most friendly and accommodating place to people who are different? Um, and some of that having to fight all the time and that feeling of constant hypervigilance it's tiring and some of it is just downright traumatizing. And so that's where that comes from. So just to reiterate, no, my child did not give me PTSD, but some of the circumstances around raising a disabled person in an ableist world where you have to fight for every support, every resource, you have to fight for doctors to listen to you and to believe you, all of that, that is traumatizing. But what I think we can agree on is there's room in this world for everyone to be traumatized. <laughs> we can all share our labels, our letters, our CTSD, PTSD, whatever the hell. But what we should also share is how we cope. Yes, there's trauma. Yes, there's lingering complex chronic stress, but it 
there are ways to manage that. And so I think that's important for us to talk about. And I think it's important for us as caregivers to share our strategies and resources and things, tricks and tips for reducing the stress in our lives, or maybe not even, maybe we can't reduce it, but managing, because I tell you, the symptoms of living with chronic stress, they ain't pretty. So we have to figure it out because you can't, you can't live a full, happy, productive life when you're always wringing your hands and feeling like you're going to puke. It's just, it's just not ideal. So the other day I was scrolling through Instagram. I was basically just lollygagging, doom scrolling, whatever, because I couldn't cope with doing anything else because I was feeling really heavy. And up pops my friend Erica's beautiful face and she's chatting about this partnership she has with this insurance company called Green Shield Insurance. And this is not a sponsored post because I'm not good like that. I really should have approached them and said, hey, do you want to sponsor this podcast episode? Because that's what the movers and the shakers do, but that's not how I operate. Anyway, it's a Canadian insurance company and she was talking about how they are offering women 18 years old and up free therapy. Yeah, no strings attached, I can guarantee. And so I thought, wow, I, A, need to investigate for myself. B, this might be a really valuable resource to share with other parents, other mamas that I know who could really use something like this. So just to make sure it was legit and it was what it said it was, I went through the process of signing up myself and I am happy to report that it is what it says it is. And it is pretty amazing. So I did write a blog post just a little bit about how you go about signing up and how the whole process works and everything, but that would be super boring for me to lay out for you right now. So if you are interested in checking it out, you can go to our website, averybrightlife.com, and you can look at the last post and it'll all be in there for you. But just the Reader's Digest version, you go to their website, you sign up for their women's mental health program, and you do not have to be a Green Shield plan member to sign up. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no obligation or anything. And so you have access to um, two free hours of talk therapy sessions. And then you also get a complimentary subscription to this online coach-assisted therapy, this CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. I just said therapy twice, but you know what I mean. I signed up and everything, and I was chatting with, it wasn't a chat bot, it was actually a real person. And I was asking them, I'm like, do I have to do like the, the therapy? Can I just bypass that and go straight to the online coach-assisted therapy? And they're like, yes. So, I mean, I may go back and take advantage of the two hours of chit chat, but I wanted to get started and just try the program. And so you sign up and then you go through a bunch of get to know you kind of questions, a lot of questions, a lot of deep self-reflection. And then they curate this whole program based on your needs. And shocker, my needs had to do with um, trauma, with overthinking with worry, with generalized anxiety, things like that, all the fun things. And so they came up with this program. And so you work at your own pace. It's like a bunch of um, 
little segments that you can read and they have some videos that you can watch and then you have some exercises that you have to practice. And like I said, you work at your own pace and you are assigned an actual coach and they're not um, like a licensed psychotherapist or anything there, but they are somebody who is trained and able to support you through this process. And sure enough, within 24 hours of me signing up, I heard from my coach who wants to set up a meeting to talk and to support me in this process which I think is quite amazing. When you first sign up, you need to reach out to your coach and kind of introduce yourself and basically tell them why you're here. Why did you sign up? So I thought maybe I would just quickly read to you why I signed up. I put, hi, coach's name, who I won't say. I signed up for this app initially to review it for my podcast to see if it's something that I could recommend to my listeners who are mostly, like me, moms or caregivers of kids with disabilities. My daughter is 17 and is developmentally disabled. When she was younger, she had several near-death medical situations, and I've been told that I suffer from PTSD, or more specifically, chronic traumatic stress for parents who are raising medically complex kids, because the stress is always there to some degree. I am a worrier by nature, and I'm going through menopause. Pause, pause, pause. (laughs) And my sleep hasn't been great for well over a year, And I thought I might have ADHD, but I think more likely I'm just experiencing the pitfalls of unmanaged anxiety. So I thought I would try out this program and see if I can manage my stress better so ultimately I can improve my sleep, relax, tune out some of the scary stuff in the world, stop catastrophizing all the time, and just get back to my life. So that's what I'm trying to do. So give it a shot check it out for yourself and see if it's something that you can work into your schedule. Um, And if you can't, well, (laughs) that's fine too. I don't know how I'm ending this. Good Lord. Wrap it up, Lisa. Okay. I'm going for a bike ride with my girl and we will try not to get accosted by a coyote. But if we do, it's okay because I have my blood curdling, ear piercing alarm. So that's good. Thank you for listening. And also... Thank you so much for all your positive feedback about our episode called Inclusion Delusion. You had some very kind and thoughtful comments, and I really, really appreciate it. So you rock. Take care of yourselves. I love you. Bye. Knock, knock. Who's there? Justin. Justin who? Justin, time for the end of the episode. See you next time. Woo woo. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. So thank you for sharing the podcast and for cheering us on. It is amazing to see this bright, beautiful community growing in this way. If you have a question, an episode suggestion, or you just want to say hello, we would love to hear from you. So reach out on Instagram or send us an email. Or you can show off your techie prowess by leaving us an audio message by clicking the message button on the Spotify for Podcasters homepage. That link is in the show notes and on the podcast page on the A Very Bright Life website. If you liked what you heard today, please consider leaving us a review. More positive comments and five-star reviews nudge the algorithm to deliver this content to more ears. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat with you again soon.